get a notification? I'm already receiving far too many notifications. I think I'd rather play in person. Yeah, but that's how you found my dad, remember? Playing online Scrabble on your computer. Well, that was by no means my preferred form of communication. Look, guys, we don't need to replace everything in Roy's life with a digital version. Is it true? I saw your name on the Batwatch group. I didn't dare believe it actually happened. What is it now? Oh, more bat chat. <laughs> The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 236 of The Talk of the Street, another official Coronation Street Catcher podcast that better be careful because the 15 megatons of TNT we're currently sitting on might just be about enough to shake the dirt off the back of the street. Dal Van, I'm Gavin. I have no idea what I'm drinking. Something orange, isn't it? Yeah, I ordered unsweetened iced tea at KFC. I tell you. This is not unsweetened iced tea. The KFC drive through is a random chicken generator. <laughs> I cannot figure it and I could not figure out what this is. It's fizzy. It's orange. It tastes very vaguely of raspberry. Yeah, well, separate. I'll soon tell you. <laughs> oh, dear God, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of raspberry. Yeah. There's no raspberry soda. I've had that before. Whatever it is, it's familiar. I think they might have like a raspberry iced tea that's fizzy. Mm-hmm. It's not what I ordered though. No. And it doesn't look like this. No. So maybe it's just that the the flavoring needs to be replaced or something. They need to change and, the bag. And the coloring. Right. Well, if they change the bag, then the coloring would be right. One would hope. Maybe. Anyway, I'm still drinking it, even though I don't know what it is. It's not bad. It's just and not. This is why we're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because people, even smart people, will drink something they have no idea what it is. The best way to get somebody to drink something is to take a sip of it and go, oh, that's disgusting. Because <laughs> people will go, oh, give us a taste. <laughs> I know I would. <laughs> no, I've gone to KFC drive through so many times. Uh-huh. And whatever you order, they just grab some chicken or they grab some stuff. How much was the order? About 20 bucks. We'll throw roughly 20 bucks worth of things in a bag. And And if it's somewhat close to what you ordered, then jobs are good on. Where did we have a problem with? And we still don't know what the other thing was. Oh, it was was Big John Steak and Onions, wasn't it? Then we went through the Mm drive-thru. And I ordered something with chicken. And neither one of the sandwiches had chicken in it. See, the problem was I was driving. Yes. And I'm closest to the speaker. Yes. So I should be the one that's ordering. Yes. And you just insisted on shouting out an order. And I think that just confused everyone because I was like a seven and a five. Yeah, but they couldn't understand you. The guy said, the guy literally said, I'm sorry, I don't understand you. Mm-hmm, because we were talking over each other as we were trying to order it. And so that's when I started saying, no, I said the seven. Seven. Listeners, can you believe that <laughs> Helen was talking over me? I wasn't talking over you at the point, though. <laughs> You should have put on your American accent, and then I would have gotten chicken. I won't say that for special occasions, and I'm sorry, <laughs> Big John, steak and onion is not one of those occasions. Yes, but I am. 
Anyway, how are you this week? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. I, you know. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Back to work. Plowing through. Trying to get this auction ready for our mid-February release. It's, you know, kind of the tense, the tense time now. So on, on Tinterhooks uh, was cataloging a, a signed vinyl of the Hamilton mixtapes and I made the mistake of snapping a picture of it and sending it to Stelly so you know so now she wants a vinyl of the Hamilton mixtapes signed by Lin-Manuel Miranda tell her to save up (laughs) and no she has high expectations because for her friend's secret Santa she finally got her secret Santa present and it's a signed picture of David Tennant well, that is a secret Santa. If you get it in January, that's a super secret Santa. <laughs> yeah, she needs another picture of David Tennant in the room. Yes. To go along with the picture of George W. Bush. <laughs> <sighs> She's a strange, strange girl. That was a joke, though. But mm-hmm. it will go nicely with her David Tennant blanket and the giant cardboard cutout of David Tennant that lubes over her bed. Yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> sometimes think it's a real person sometimes in the, at night. I frequently think it's a real person, especially when their light's off and I'm walking by her room to get to my room and you just see this looming this figure silhouette. in the shadow. Yeah. You don't want to be walking by that room after you've watched a scary movie, for example. No. No. It's bad enough, the scary dolls. Hmm. Anyway. If I ever meet David Tennant in person, I will be absolutely terrified. Is he that tall? Yes. He is tall. Is he? How tall is he? Because he's over six foot. Yes. And that that cutout would lead us to believe that he is over six foot. Yes, he is over six David foot. David Tennant. Height. Height. Isn't this what you come to Coronation Street Podcast for, listeners? Come to what? Coronation Street Podcasts. No idea what that is. He's <laughs> six foot and three quarter inches. Yes. So that's so just quite, over six foot. That's quite tall. Nearly as tall as my first husband, who is six foot six. Well, that's nowhere near as tall as... He's nearer my height than Eli's height. Six foot three? That's only three inches off. He's six foot and three quarter inches. Oh, six and three quarters. I thought it was six foot three. No. Oh. He's six foot fuck all, basically. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. And give us some of that explosive coding news. Oh, wait. News. How was your week? Nobody cares. <laughs> Talks over me all the time. Be careful, I'm going to put a scary doll in your bed. There is no good answer to that. <laughs> there must be something in the water on the street. Jenny Alpine has announced she is pregnant with her third is child. She, really? she is. I didn't know that. She says they won't find out the gender ahead of time, but whatever the baby is... They'll get a Corey-inspired name like Big Sister Hilda. Is that how they're doing it? That's that's how they're doing it with these two. Uh, her oldest is is Albert. Well, another Corey name. So I don't know if they got the Albert from Corey. It is a Corey name, mm-hmm. but she has specifically said that Hilda was named after Hilda on Coronation Street. So, And she has said that this next baby will have a Coronation Street name. Hopefully not Tyrone. Because then her husband might might have questions. Maybe racist Kelly. More of that later. 
or Irish Tita. That's a beautiful name. Irish, Irish Tita, Tita McAlpine. Glenn may have left the street, but she's still tripping the boards. Our former Sinead is making her stage debut in the UK tour of Peter James's Wish You Were Dead. She'll be playing the role of Cleo Mori. So that's another Coronation Street person deciding to uh, try their hand on the stage. And good luck to her. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't she on a show briefly for a while? She was on Hollyoaks for a bit. Huh. With uh, with brown hair. Oh. I think she was a baddie. I don't know. I never watch Hollyoaks. Isn't Hollyoaks cancelled now? I don't know. Who knows? As, as a man approaching his 50s, <laughs> the, the less I know about Hollyoaks, the better. <laughs> and finally, while we know the current storylines have been getting viewers down, it's allegedly been affecting the cast as well. No. Ian McLeod has hinted that no one will take his calls anymore for fear that they'll be the next victim of Stephen Reed. That's why they don't take his calls. That's that's why he thinks they won't take his calls. Right. So, of course, a, he thinks that the um, my three dads thing is hilarious. Yes, so. and that people like it. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, a party of one. He's like the producers of Morbius who thought all the Morbius memes meant. That they should put Morbius back in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's exactly the same thing. It's like we're making fun of the My Three Dads thing by using the My Two Dads, a homophobic sitcom from the 90s. Tell me you've never watched My Two Dads without telling me you've never watched My Two Dads, Ian McLeod. Seriously. <sighs> Shame the, the blot on Paul Reiser's career. And Greg Evigan. Yeah. But mostly, but mostly Paul Reiser. And that's Cornelius. Who was the Lassie? Who knows? Nobody remembers the wee Lassie. Yeah. And, and she was the Mai of, of my mm-hmm. two dads. We Lassie and my two dads. <sighs> Stacey Keenan. Oh, that's right. What has she done lately? She must have done something lately. I've got a horrible feeling. She's my age. She is not. Yeah. No, she's a year older than me. Never mind. She also goes by the name Anastasia Love Sigorsky. That's worrying. Yes. She's a former. Yeah. She changed her name to Anastasia Love Sigorsky to become a deputy district attorney. Oh, that's not what I thought she changed her name for. (laughs) It's probably best that we move swiftly on from that to Will Podcast for Coffee. Thank you to Canadian Helen for her coffees this week. Thank you, Canadian Helen. What happened to Australian Helen? Or New Zealander Helen? I assume they're both fine. Or British Helen. I need all all my Helens. I need my gang of Helens. Happy Hogmanay and Happy New Year to Helen and Gavin. Hope that 2023 is a wonderful year. And thank you for a great year of the Talk of the Street podcast. So far, so good. Thank Thank you you so much, Canadian Helen, for your very generous, very generous donation. The Talk of the Street is and always will be free on your podcast provider and the YouTubes. But if you appreciate the show and you want to offer your support, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. And we'll be very appreciative, won't we, Helen? Yes, we will. Just like we were for Canadian Helen. Absolutely. 
Especially grateful if your name is Helen. <laughs> Other Helens can apply. <laughs> and now, this. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Old Lang Syne Phobia. What was that again? Old Lang Syne Phobia. Okay. You did say Old Lang Syne. It sounded like Old Gang Time. Nope. Old Lang Syne Phobia. Who's afraid of New Year's Eve? That's probably Brian. That's right. This was Toya, suspicious of Imran disappearing at New Year. He said he didn't like the bells. And she said, that's right, you've got odd lang syne phobia. And he said, I'd never know what to do with my arms. <laughs> I was Gavin and you were, they call me Mr. Tibbs. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Why Mr. did I say that? Because Mr. Sidney Poitier oh, had, had just passed deceased. away. Yes. Your New Year's resolution was to start making daily lists again. How did that work out? Well, it worked out until like June and, and then I stopped because I was ill and then just never picked up again. But I have started again, and that's why we have folded socks. Excellent. A yearly reminder that we own Vogel.co.uk. I think I've been charged for that recently, which <gasps> would make sense. I started a wee solo project while you were at Sing 2 and realised that I hate talking to myself into a microphone, which is a shame because it happens quite a bit. Aww. Avi and Imran do their best to be inconspicuous to their significant others as they meet to discuss the possibility that they may have gone halfers on a baby. If you, if it makes you feel any better, I hated Sing too. But it had that bit from uh, Chop Suey, System of a Down, in it, didn't it? That was the only good part. <laughs> a hungover New Year's Day driving lesson spells trouble for Emma and Faye and a poor old man just trying to get home with his ginger nuts. Sam discovers a new interest as he learns chess from Mary and Roy while Nick helicopters nearby at all times. Adam's boundary dispute case sets wheels in motion that result in Lydia turning up drunk to a meeting and Sarah going back on the pill. During renovations of Speed Dial, Zidane and Mariam discover that a spark still exists between them. I quite like Mariam. What happened to her? She left. She did. Tim's health kick takes him to an appointment with Dr. Gadas and a shocking discovery that threatens his relationship with Sally. What? That started this time last year. Oh, God. And went on to about this time this year. Forever. I kind of miss it now. Considering oh, the shit we had to watch this week. Simpler times. I quite enjoyed it this week. Shona has space on her speed dial. Peter vapes. And Hope definitely put gum in Chloe's hair. Our moment of the week was Roy and Mary playing chess. And our boring moment of the week was Craig just standing there. We have yet to see Mary play chess again. Hmm. And that was Coronation Street. And the talk of the street. This time, last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Now, we have an extra half hour to talk about this week. Well, it's an extra 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. Where nothing much happened. No. But we have the Hogmanay one to talk about. So we have that and this week. So let's jump into it. Our first storyline this week is Mobile Roy. So on Saturday on New Year's Eve, Mary rustles up a Hogmanay party at the Rovers, in which Roy reveals his closest held secret. He's been studying for a VBRV, which is the Volunteer Bat Roost Visitor qualification, and his resolution is to complete it. I had to rewind that. I don't know how many times to hear what Brian called it. 
couldn't work it out uh-huh. and then eventually stuck the subtitles on. Ah. On Monday, Brian is in Nina's roles trying to recruit Shona to the Weatherfield Bat League thing when Roy comes downstairs, dressed ready for a week-long camping trip rather than his assessment for his stupid qualification. Right. Meanwhile, Nina and Asha are chatting about Roy's assessment thing and Asha says she wishes that they could be there to offer support or something. Nina thinks that she's joking, but Asha's for reals. She is for reals. Anything to do but hanging out with you she says oh so they have a wee a wee smooch to celebrate yes a wee smooch so they head to nina's rolls to meet up with brian roy's already left when they get a text from the assessor people to let them know that it's been cancelled because it's been pushing down with rain how's roy going to know about this asks nina and he won't because he he gave his phone to sam so rather than just staying in the and Nina rolls and right. waiting for Roy to realise that there's nobody there. Right. Everyone rushes, rushes to off. Roy's rescue. And they'll, they'll regret that a little bit. Yes, they will. And so, so will we. So as this has gone on, Roy is wandering around looking for his assessor people. And as he does so, he drops his flask into a stream and isn't quite able to retrieve it. No. Even with a big stick. Yes. A stream that's maybe, maybe six inches deep. <laughs> right. Nina, this will become important later. Nina, Asher and Brian hightail it to the bat place and search for Roy and it's getting dark when Nina spots his flask floating in the stream and so for some reason she decides to run towards it as quickly as possible, flings herself in and bashes her head against a rock in the process. Yeah, a rock we do not see. No, you hear it. You You hear the thud when her head hits hits a, a rock that isn't there. In six inches of water. But I don't know what the rush was for her to run in her Doc Martens as well belting down that embankment towards the tiny little trickle and she just she just threw herself at it plonk <laughs> when Stelly <laughs> when Stelly was around 10 we were winter camping with our Girl Scout troop and I can't remember why they were over there but it was the middle of winter the river was kind of iced over but not iced over enough where she and her friend Izzy didn't fall into the freezing river. Mm -hmm. Deeper and for longer than Nina was in that stream. Mm -hmm. They both were able to get out and be fine enough for me to yell at both of them in the snow, in the ice. Neither one of them had to go to the hospital. Both of them were fine. I'm not sure really what happened with Nina. I I don't... I've, and I've watched it several times because it kind of made me laugh. It looked like she was deliberately... <laughs> trying, trying very to. hard to drown. Right. In order to try to make it believable. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't believable at all. Not in the slightest. And then like, you know, she's immediately pulled out by Brian. And yet she's drowned enough so that he has to give her CPR. What's yeah. going on here? <laughs> Brian shouts on Asha to call an ambulance while... He himself spots an opportunity for a little bit of mouth-to-mouth action, which is enough to make Nina splutter back to life. And the ambulance... <laughs> and she spits out more water than is in that stream. <laughs> what is going on? When, this, when, when the spoilers for this episode came out and they were talking about, you know, possible exit for Nina as drowning storyline approaches I expected more than what we got drowning in embarrassment maybe (laughs) maybe it's like 
What was the other storyline where they like built it up in the in the spoilers? Like, oh, this is going to be really intense. This is going to be a really shocking thing. And then it was nothing. They keep doing this to us. Yeah, so you don't pay attention to it. You don't believe it. No. Because it's, it's never as dramatic as the... Right, but then it's out. a letdown and then you hate it. And then it looks stupid. I don't know. Even if this was described accurately, I think I, would, I still hated it. It was mm-hmm. kind of funny, though. It was hilarious. Running down that embankment and these big clumpy dogs. And then just... <laughs> plunking. <laughs> Those Doc Martens have better tread than that. She's got arms, though. Put your arms out, Nina. Right. No, it's just like... <laughs> she just planked into the water. Oh, dear. Anyway. It's like she was Irish dancing into the water. Panic over. She's still alive. So the ambulance arrives and it's enough to attract the attention of the lesser spotted Roy to the scene who watches in shock as Nina being treated by paramedics and then is loaded into an ambulance. You're going to get a lot of use out of this. I'm pressing this button all night. Yeah. So at the hospital, while waiting on Nina coming out of a CT scan, Roy is being too Roy, and Asha makes it clear that his reluctance to have a mobile phone has resulted in Nina nearly dying. (laughs) Asha is far more pleasant to the paramedic who she credits for saving Nina's life, even though it was Brian, and even though the paramedic says it was Brian. Mm -hmm. So Asha apologises to Roy for snapping, even though she didn't really. And then she goes to see Nina and tells her that she's decided that she knows what she wants to do with her life, she wants to be a paramedic now. Yes, so, because she froze and was terrified and didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And Brian knew what to do. So she wants to be a paramedic now. Like Brian isn't. Right. So now she won't be so fucking useless the next time Nina runs into a stream to retrieve a flask. And planks. Nina thinks that this is a great idea. And later, Nina sees Roy, who has beaten himself up about what happened and has promised to take care of her. He said to her dad, and he said to her after she got her head kicked in, right. that he was going to make sure that none of this was going to happen ever again and he's let her down. How is Nina able to speak in coherent sentences now that she's had her second head wound? Nina insists it's fine, but Roy looks like he's taken all this to heart a little bit. Mm-hmm. And all this is the, the drama that's required for Roy to get a phone. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, David Nielsen's kind of red line uh-huh. was that Roy never gets a mobile phone. That and was his and, red line. And he's been like that for, for years and years and years. This is why Roy doesn't have a mobile phone. That's the, because he says the character just wouldn't, wouldn't have it. Uh-huh. So they decided, well... Fuck that! Let's give him a mobile phone. He would, ha- he would have to have one eventually. Right. He can't be this much of a luddite. Right. Because it does. Because th- that doesn't make sense for the character to but, be that much of a luddite. But this is the thing that makes him get the phone. This is the whole reason why this is happening. Right. Because Nina almost died again. As yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, the, the the point of all that is so that Roy gets a phone. Yeah. So on Tuesday. As a leaving hospital, Nina explains to Roy that Asha is planning on being a paramedic, but is worried about keeping a cool head in a crisis. Mm. Back at Nina's roles, Roy and Brian are chatting about getting a communication device to prevent this kind of potential tragedy from happening again. And Roy has his eyes 
on a pager. <laughs> Brian isn't because sure. He is he can a, still get a pager. Because he is a drug dealer from the 1990s. Oh, pig's tits, says Brian. <laughs> then Sam bursts in to thank Roy for his phone, which is perfect for all the projects that he's doing in sky gazing and stuff. And this seems to give Roy some food for thought, that it's not just a phone, it's there's a wealth of information here and all right. that sort of stuff. Yeah, because he's complaining about people becoming troglodytes because of it. Uh Automatrons. Automatons. Right. Yeah. So Roy goes and buys a fucking phone. <laughs> Nina is thrilled by this and immediately starts flooding him with very specific instructions on how to join the back group, send emojis, and how not to punctuate mm-hmm. properly, because these are important day one facts for Roy to know. Asha tells her to wind her fucking neck and, and leave him alone. And if he wants to use punctuation, let him use punctuation. Yeah. I always use punctuation in my texts. I almost always use punctuation in my texts. Sometimes it kind of depends upon who I'm speaking to. Sometimes I try and adjust a little bit if I'm texting somebody of a different generation hmm. that who seem to think that full stops are kind of rude to use. Yes. Because they're very final. Yes. It's like you don't want any more conversation if you leave a... Right. A full stop or a period or, at the end of what you're saying. Or it's very formal mm-hmm. or it makes you look like you think you know everything. Just good grammar. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all it is. So this continues for some time with Sam getting involved too until until Roy decides he's had enough and he leaves his phone on the table while he goes for a lie down. He's already an expert on phones as far as Coronation Street's concerned by leaving his phone behind. Yes. And later, when it's all calmed down, Roy tells Asha that she has the perfect calming and empathetic temperament to be a paramedic. And Asha is fair made up by this. Right, yes, because she has lots of empathy. Yep. Except for, you know, girls who want to date her brother. Sure. On Wednesday, Brian and Craig are at Nina's Rolls, curious to see how Roy is getting on with his phone. Roy says he's up to his tits and notifications. And later, when Carl and Peter are in, he explains that sending a request to Nina to pick up an aubergine from the cash and carry has gone awry when he used what he calls an emoji. Yes. Carla starts pushing herself when she realises what's happened. Yes. And explains to Roy that he can't be sending the eggplant emojis to his niece. Right. Roy yes. still doesn't understand. Right. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. So, Coronation Street, keep it a classy, make it a dick joke. Dick jokes between dick an jokes. uncle and his niece. And his adopted daughter, sort of. His niece. With Carla. His actual niece. Right, his actual niece and his adoptive daughter try to explain it to him. She has to whisper it in his ear. Right, she yes. She has to be very careful that nobody can see her lips and nobody can hear her. Right, yes. Because you can't say the word dick on Coronation Street or penis. Or penis. Or Willie. These are. Or Bobby. Or cock. I, I wonder. I wonder what word you can use for male genitalia on Cornish sure, Street. I'm sure Tim's used it before, hasn't he? I'm sure Sally has used it before. But not like that. No, no, <laughs> exactly pretty much like, like that. that. So that's it. That's that's Roy got a phone now, and and we only had to go to the hospital once before it could happen. So I guess we should count ourselves lucky. <laughs> this Asha, is such a nothing story. Just to get a stupid phone. Well, it's done two things, let's be fair. And to make Asha a paramedic. When do you think she'll pass her paramedic qualifications? I thought later that week, but it too didn't soon. happen. Too soon. Whenever it is, it'll be too soon. I think it I think she'll be quite good. I'm surprised that she doesn't have plans for a career because she seemed to be that kind of girl before she was 
Well, they all seemed to be that kind of girl <laughs> before. That's, that's true. That is true. And now all of a sudden, none of them are. Because even Amy seems to kind of... I mean, at least Amy is going to school. None of the other ones are. Mm. Why isn't Ash in school? I thought she was in school. In college. University. I don't think she'd really decided on anything. <sighs> so she's just working at Nina's roles. And, and I didn't even think she was working at Nina's roles. I thought she was working at Dev's. But I, you don't really see her... What has she been doing? Nobody knows. I mean, we focused on poor Simon, but really, what has Asha been doing? <laughs> Remember, Simon lost a job that no one knew he had. Right, yeah. She's been briefly snogging Nina every once in a while, mm-hmm. very quickly. I think she'll be a good paramedic. I think it's important to have characters that are on the street with occupations that make them useful and right. still kind of keep them on the street. So she can go right. off doing paramedic stuff. What, you mean like Craig? <laughs> I mean exactly like Craig and Aggie. Yes, because Aggie's a nurse. Mm. We had Rana, she was a nurse. Yeah, and Dr. Gaddas occasionally. She's fairly consistent mm-hmm. on being on the street. Not really a... Not a regular character. Not a regular character. But at least when we see her, she's doing her job, unlike Billy. We never see doing his job. <laughs> we track where Billy has been in a week. Yes. And it's between the pub and the bistro, back to the pub, wait at the bistro again. His house. Not occasionally in his house. Yeah. Sometimes on the street. Just Sometimes he's Billy on the street. Have we talked about how Emmerdale have done this with, with their uh, vicar character? And they do a very good job. Well, I don't know if they do a very good job, but they, they do, do a, a better, better job. job. Yeah, where they actually they uh, actually know that religion exists. Where he's in charge of christenings and, mm-hmm. and things and marries and, people, and wedding, occasionally weddings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does sermons. <laughs> very occasionally mentions God. Right, Just occasionally crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff for a bishop to anyway, do. Anyway, this has nothing to do with this storyline. No, no, it will it will pop up later though. Let's move on to our next storyline this evening which is Tim's mum about the house (sighs) so on New Year's Eve five guys, six fellas they come through for Stephen and pay him his ten grand hush money he hands over a list of suppliers to Sarah and Michael and gets all misty eyed as he does so, this is him tying up all these loose ends. Right. And then later, Stephen overhears news from Jenny that Teddy's in a coma and he may never wake up. So Stephen takes this opportunity to tell a tale where before he was knocked down, Teddy told Stephen that he'd found Leo who wanted nothing to do with Teddy or Jenny. And later, while Stephen is playing off between Jenny and Tim's mum at the hospital, Teddy wakes up. Yes, and he wakes up and becomes a cyborg. I thought it was a white walker. <laughs> no, because it's like the the his the, the heart rate thing. machine. Yep. It is eyeballs. Which means that it must have been on the ceiling. Right, and there must be two of them. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> We're pulling out the big guns for New Year. Oh dear. I... I feel bad for mocking it because it's like, oh, let's do this cool visual effect where 
it reflects in his eyes and that adds drama to the fact that he's awake. Even though, isn't he in a medically induced coma to stop the swelling in his brain? I have some memory that would suggest that. Yeah. So he had him, a brain injury, definitely. So him coming out of that medically induced coma is probably not a good thing, one would think. Or do they have a brain injury or was that spider? There's just so much going on this week for injuries, it's really hard to... We have four people who well, get well, brain injuries this week. We've already, we've now, we're now talking, we've now talked about two out of the four that, that hit their head on something this week or have hit their head on something last week and are already in the hospital mm. because of something happening to their head. Stephen was waiting for his money mm-hmm. to, to leave, to leave, to, to get the go. hell out of Dodge. Just go. And Teddy's return has made him want to stay. Rather than just getting as far away as possible. Right, seriously. Where, so that, you know, he can't be extra... Well, he, he probably could be extradited. Go to Spain. Spain don't extradite to the UK. They don't? Nope. Yeah, but his ex-wife is there. Oh, no, wait, she's in Italy. I'm so confused. It's the same thing. <laughs> On Monday. <laughs> We're going to get lots of hate mail from Spain and Italy. Good. Audrey's already back from her Norwegian cruise, which must have been in a speedboat. <laughs> She was away for a week. She left yeah. on Boxing Day. Yeah, so it's been a week. That 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 sounds about right. Three grand that cost. Well, that's actually cheap. In the rovers, Stephen's getting the drinks in and learns that Jenny's mind is on Teddy, who she plans to visit in hospital later. Stephen offers to go with, and Jenny doesn't feel this is weird because compared to Stephen's other involvement, this is just par for the course. Good that I made a tune for this, right? Yes. So at the hospital, the two of them go to see Teddy and are surprised to see that he's woken up, although he's a bit confused and can't remember what's happened. Jenny tells Stephen to recount the story that he told her about going to Canada and meeting Leo, who wants nothing more to do with him or Jenny, and Teddy is surprised by this but seems to believe it. On Tuesday, Jenny and Stephen visit Teddy again and his memory is still foggy on everything that happened in Canada. And afterwards, Jenny tells him that he'll come back sooner or later and Stephen clutches his collar a little bit. And then Stephen leaves, but Jenny stays on and she enjoys a bit of chit-chat with Teddy. Later in the pub, Stephen learns from Jenny that once Teddy has been discharged, he'll be staying in Ronnie's room now that Ronnie has moved in with Debbie. Is this wise? asks Stephen. Why Why do you fucking care? snaps Tim's mum. Right, and also, why are you... What... Stay out of it. Stop making yourself look so freaking suspicious. And also, maybe let's stop talking to women like they are children. I know we're meant to hate this guy, but this really has to stop. He's so condescending. It makes me want to punch him in the face. On Wednesday, other overs, just as Jenny's about to leave for the hospital, Stephen comes in to tell her again that he doesn't think it's a good idea that uh, Teddy should stay there and it's a terrible look to other people and it might give Teddy the wrong idea. Jenny asks if she should just cut Teddy loose then. Yes, says Stephen. <laughs> but Jenny ignores his advice and brings Teddy back to the rovers. Huzzah! And through the back, the two of them, along with Gooseberry Stephen, attempt to get his memory back, thinking it's weird that he didn't take any photos of Leo in Canada if mm-hmm. he really met him. Stephen ignores this and suggests once again that Teddy and Jenny should just let it go for now and give Cinco Leo some space. 
That's as far as I get with that this week. Does Teddy really not remember? Well, this has happened before with head injuries, let's remember, mm. where people don't remember the, the trauma that they had or the things that happened right before it. This is what happened to Nina the last time she got a head injury. It has happened before, but I've got, a, or at least I had a feeling that Teddy really did know what had happened and was just keeping his mouth shut to see what Stephen was going to say. Mm. But if that's the case, I'm not sure why he hasn't said something to Jenny by now. Well, remember, he was suspicious of Jenny as well. Oh, that's true. But in addition to pictures, let's remember, Teddy was in contact with the police because because Leo is a missing person now because he, he never made he, because he found out that he never made it to Canada. Yeah. And they triangulated the whole thing. So he should have messages on his phone to that no, effect. No. Stop bamboozling us with science here, Helen. They triangulated the whole thing. They triangulated the, the beam from the, the beam. Yes, the ping. The laser beam. The ping from the from Leo's cell phone. They could tell that his phone was used on the street, right? And I think specifically the rovers. Right, I think they could right be in that front accurate. of the rovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the police know this. It's like an if, episode of Serial. <laughs> even if Teddy doesn't know it, right? Right. So in 20 years' time, who gets out of jail? Uh, oh, God, what it's was that guy's It's the family that I feel sorry for. Adnan. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. So, first of all, <laughs> this man was run over by a car. It, traveling at high speed. There was a little thing clipped on Twitter that had uh, the scene from Mean Girls where Regina George's run over uh-huh. and it's at the same speed that the that the bus hit her uh-huh. it's the speed that the car hit Cinco Leo's dad right. fairly fast yes I'm surprised nobody has morphed this into that scene from that movie with Brad Pitt where he gets we talked about this last week did we? yeah meet Joe, Joe Black. Black yeah um yeah so this man was hit by a car Last week. At high speed. At high speed. By Kathy. He was in a coma for what? Three days? Four days? Yeah, a he day. Was, he was hit by a car. A day or two, maybe. He was hit by a car. Like a big car, too. It was like an SUV or a van or something. I think it was a van. I think, yeah, right. I think it was a little van. Yeah. He was hit by something heavy at high speed. We're moving quickly. Yes. No broken bones. No. Is walking into the, I mean, is leaning on Jenny, walking into the rovers, able to use both hands and both arms, speaking in coherent sentences. Well, ish. He's lost his memory. He's lost his memory. At least, at least maybe they got that right. It reminded me of that time that Adam fell from the mezzanine level of a mall (laughs) and didn't break any bones. Landed on his head, though. He was in a medical induced coma as well. I think, For like two days. I think where the generals, uh, I think the, the top of their list of things to do is put people in medically induced comas, no matter what they're in for. Do they secretly have like? They're paid by the coma. Is 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 it secretly Doctor Who who comes in? I know his name's not really Doctor Who. It's the Doctor. Their name, not his name. And Oof. and <laughs> you're just talking yourself in circles here. 
do they have a time traveling doctor who comes from the future with special medicine to like miraculously heal people at, at, at Weather General? Is this happening? What is going on? Are they secretly replacing the actual? Are the actual people actually dying and being secretly replaced by automatons? Oh, well, <laughs> and that's why Roy thinks everyone with a phone is an automaton. By, what is going on here? By people that are unnaturally attracted to water. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe Nina is an automaton. Maybe Nina really died when she got her head kicked in. And it's an automaton now, and that's why it didn't know what to do with water. What is this thing called love? <laughs> Kiss me. What's going on? Uh, anyway, I think it gets worse, but you know it's funny. I think Teddy, I think Teddy might remember more than he's letting on. I, I think there might be an inkling there, and I think he's slowly getting some of his memories back but he's keeping them close to his chest yep. so he can see if he can find yes that's out exactly more information and that's why he agreed to walk into jenny's mm-hmm. walk after being hit by a car yes last week <laughs> and Ugh. i still don't know why steven's in the country it's just leave just r- go run away run away how it's, much did they get you got 10 grand right which okay, is that's not good start much of a life but no but it's enough for a ticket didn't he book a ticket i saw him looking at seats oh yeah he was Was he, he was looking at seats he was booking a ticket he was and then he just decided to stay because teddy came out of his coma mm-hmm. teddy's come out of his coma and he doesn't remember anything run away <laughs> go he's staying on to make sure that teddy doesn't tell jenny he doesn't remember anything how's he gonna tell Jen? is he just gonna stay indefinitely until teddy dies or is he going to kill Teddy? Remember, he was going to do it in the hospital the other week. Why do the writers of Coronation Street hate people named Ted? That's what I want to know. I don't know. They, I'm still kind of enjoying this. They would have hated our dog. Our poor wee Teddy. Yeah, I kind of hated our dog. Coronation Street killed our dog. <laughs> On New Year. Yeah, I, I'm, still, I'm still kind of enjoying it. I kind of want to see how far it's going to go now. And none of us is making any sense. It's the so fact dumb. That, that everyone is just not questioning why Stephen just appears in the back room at the Rovers when he has no business being there. And like, it's every, like the world is his knicker factory. And like every time somebody does question, he like immediately has an answer that they don't question mm. anymore. And the whole, you know, the fact that Five Guys Burgers and Fries actually do give him money for their mopeds. Six fellas. We'll have five guys on the phone again. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it until they give us free burgers. Free grease burgers all round. All round. All right, let's move on to our next storyline, which is Dog Days of Summer. On Saturday on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. the young crew convinced a morose summer, morose even though she's sporting a snazzy new pair of dungarees, to a party at the flat. She said that she's not been in much of a party mood recently. And they're like, no kidding, sister. <laughs> at the party, Aaron is there because he lives there. Right. And she sees him snogging another girl. No, but he's not. That whole thing was so dumb, too, because he's obviously looking at Summer. This drunk girl thinks he's looking at her. Mm. He comes. She comes over and says, are you going to kiss me? You've been staring at me all night. Are you going to kiss me? And then mashes his head 
into her face. And he doesn't say anything. You can't. No, but he could have said something before saying, sorry, no, I was looking at the girl over your shoulder, my girlfriend. But he doesn't. For some reason, Aaron has a hard time talking to girls. He was a little drunk. He had one eye on BBC One, another eye on Channel 4, I think. That was what was <laughs> uh, happening. Uh, uh. So... The snogging's going on. Upset, Summer runs out. He chases after her and announces that even though they keep breaking up and stuff, and even though she wants to have another man's baby, he kind of wants to get back together with her. So they snog. On Monday, back at home now, Billy is pleased that Summer is back with Aaron and suggests going to the movies together, but Summer already has plans that Esther makes, and Billy is kind of taken aback by this because he thinks that just because Summer is back with Aaron that the whole surrogacy thing is off. Right. And he's very shocked to discover that Aaron is supporting her in this endeavour. So she goes to Esther and Mike's and for some reason she's there on her own and then... Yeah, why is she there on her... She doesn't live there anymore. No. Why is she she there on her own? Why? And then the bailiffs turn up to repo all of Esther and Mike's shit. (laughs) Panicking, she calls on them to hurry back but by the time they get there, the bailiffs have gone. Summer demands to know what the actual fuck is going on. This is her red line. I will put up with a lot of shit from you two, Mm -hmm. but you need to tell me... Why the telly's gone. Right. If you don't have a television, I'm not having your baby. (laughs) Meanwhile, Billy has convened the exes to discuss what to do as a group, and the best they can come up with is to continue with Billy's plan to pretend to be on board while secretly trying to scupper the surrogacy thing. Mm -hmm. Back at Mike's, he explains a financial hole. Mike and Esther's. Esther lives there too. Yes. But if I say back at Mike's, I can just say he explains a financial hole. If I say Mike and Esther, well, I can maybe still say that. Yeah. He explains the financial hole that he's in and how they remortgaged the house, but interest rates have killed them. I can't have helped, says Summer. No, you made matters much worse, says Mike. And he goes off to get pished. Don't wait up, he says. So if Summer- things were that bad, why are you offering to buy someone's baby? <laughs> why they, would you do that? They were throwing her... Money, money and left mu- and right and centre. And multiples of 10 grand. Summer gets home, but doesn't share the events of the day with Billy, who is feeling virtuous because he's not eating animals in January. Billy offers to go with Summer to her surrogacy consultant thing tomorrow. He admits that this isn't the future that he saw for her, but promises to support her. Meanwhile, Mike's found himself at the bistro, where he's trying like a bear to get into Leanne's knickers. She tells him in no uncertain terms... To go fuck himself. Later. That was really weird and awkward, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Later, Paul and Todd arrive at the flat to share how much they're also supporting Summer and it isn't suspicious at all. On Tuesday, at the surrogacy consultancy thing, Esther is spraying Mike with perfume because he stinks the booze. That was quite funny. It was funny. Then Summer and Billy arrive and Mike is kind of knocked off kilter at the sight of him being there. And the mediator person questions Esther about her background in trying for a baby. And then she turns her attention to Summer and her relationship with Aaron. Summer says they met because they have diabetes, but she's totally got it under control. And Billy jumps at the chance to kind of put the story straight on that. See, well, you struggled with it for a bit. Yeah. You've got an eating disorder. You ran away from home and you've quit uni and also lost your job. Biscuit, anyone? Right. And also, you know, the consultant, when she says diabetes, she's like, you know, there are greater risks to you Mm -hmm. because you're diabetic having a baby. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, no, it's fine. It's not fine. Even if you have your diabetes under control, it's 
difficult. It's very difficult. This, to me, was the best Billy we've seen for ages. Absolutely. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Dropping some truth bombs, finally. Of finally. How, of how fucking ridiculous this all is. Parent of the week. Parent of the week. Parent of the week. <laughs> Boring parent of the week. Back home, someone. No, is it's going to be horrible parent of the week. <laughs> Back home, someone is furious. But Billy says he was only telling the truth. Summer explains that she doesn't want to do this either, but she owes Mick and Esther, and this is how no, she repays him. No, you don't! <laughs> This is pretty fucked up right here, says Billy. And when she accuses him of not supporting her, he's like, this is support. Right. Support Support is not telling you everything you want to hear. Precisely. And, you know, that's what being an adult is, babes. This is, you know, you want me to treat you like an adult. I'm going to treat you like an adult. This Mm -hmm. is how you treat someone like an adult. And why he doesn't say to her... It's really fucked up that you think you owe those people anything when right. they were going to illegally ba- buy your baby. Right. It's, it's just... What is wrong with her mind that she thinks she owes these people a baby that's so twisted? And I think this should be Billy's focus. Mm-hmm. This should be what Billy is aiming to do over the next few episodes is reprogram Summer and is realising that she doesn't owe them a single thing she was going to give them a baby I guess in good faith from her point of view the fact that she lost the baby is nature Right. just because she lost that one doesn't mean to say that she owes them anything else and she's kind of forgetting that she's what 18 years old Right. and also you just lost one Maybe give your body a break Mm -hmm. before you get it pregnant again. When obviously, right now, your body's like, no, thank you. Billy should be right. Now I know what her mindset is. Right. Because for the longest time, I couldn't understand why why she's wanting to to do do this. this. But now I do know this. Uh So what I need to do is course correct this. Get her away from this way of thinking, back in line. Yeah. But no, instead of doing that, he goes to the pub. And spends <laughs> more time in the pub, thinking that there's no stopping Summer from doing what she wants to do. Todd thinks that they need to work on Esther and Mike then if they can't work on Summer. Billy points out that Mike was reeking a booze and cheap hair perfume at the consultant thing. Todd thinks that Mike and Esther sound like a weird couple of creepy Christians, and he and Paul agree to find out more. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Billy absolutely slayed when he walked into that consultancy and said, ooh, something smells good in here. Ooh. He was brilliant in that scene. He was. That was top-notch Billy. And I just say... Top burn. Parent of the week. Parent of the week. Do you think Esther and Mike are human traffickers? No. Do you? Yes. I I think they're secretly trying to kidnap Summer... I think that's why they're focused on Summer so much. I think they want to kidnap her and sell her into, into you know, human trafficking. Just to get their TV back? Because remember, they've been so... Fo- you that's know, not nice. That's about to start right enough. They're so focused on her. And then there was the, what is it, the Ukrainian nanny who had to go bye-bye? Uh, Estonian. Or, Estonian. Mm. Oh, and not a nanny because they have no kids. Yikes. And the fact... So, Estonian maid. And the fact that Mike acts very unmarried 
and they don't really seem like they're married an awful lot, do they? They kind of don't act like real married people. Oh, she was nagging him in private a little bit. Right. But like their 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 actions are very are very strange. And the fact that they were gonna put Mike's name on the on the birth certificate and everything. Oh, there's huge there's, numbers of red flags here. Right. I'm yeah. confused by the bailiff thing. Well, because he owed all that money. I don't know whether that, what that's adding to the story. To make us suspicious of them, but we were already suspicious yeah, of them. Already Maybe to make suspicious. some are suspicious of them, but she doesn't seem to be suspicious of them. In fact, if anything, it makes her feel more obligated to them because she feels responsible for them getting into debt. Right. When these are adults who made decisions, Summer, it's not your fault that these adults made decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what their deal is. I'll tell you something. I don't, human think, they're, I don't think they're Christians. Yeah, that really seems like an act. And the way that he spoke to Billy mm-hmm. before, when Billy, remember when Billy called him over and told mm-hmm. him to stay away and b- they basically told Billy to go fuck himself. Mm-hmm. They seem to have been able to bury their whole shame on that thing quite well because when they're confronted by him again, mm-hmm. he looks a bit uncomfortable. She doesn't seem to care. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure what, what their deal is with, with that, but I presume... There's something going to come out with the Leanne thing. Yes, absolutely. Like I've they're going to go to the they're going to go to the bistro to celebrate something with Billy and Summer, and Leanne's going to say, "Oi, you." Yeah, I was expecting either Todd or Paul to be hanging about in the background to see yeah. what was going on because because Mike doesn't know who Todd and Paul are. I don't no. think does he? I don't. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I was going to say Todd went with Billy to the house, but no, that was Aaron's drunk dad. Yes. Who seems to have disappeared. <laughs> He's turned into a bottle of Johnny Walker again and <laughs> just disappeared. Yeah. Ah, I'm so tired. I'm very tired of this. Anyway, moving on. Very quickly, our next story is Peter's Swap Shop. This is something that I'm actually very interested in. Right, yeah. And I've only got a small bit of it. Right, yeah. It's 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 the anorak all over again. <laughs> On New Year's Eve, Peter has been grumpy about going out in New Year, calling it a capitalist endeavour. He tells Carla that he's been reading about an alternative system. It's called communism. <laughs> no, it's called bartering. Carla tells him that if he can barter up an onion badgie to a motorbike, she'll buy him the leathers herself. And later, at the pub, Brian is complaining about the lack of snacks, so Peter trades him the onion badgie for a pen. And yes. so it begins. And so it begins. And I'm at this point thinking, okay, I'm interested. Because <laughs> this is something I've kind of thought of before. We, we've seen some social media stuff mm-hmm. and some stuff in the mainstream press as well about people who have done things like this before. They've taken a paper clip and they've managed to eventually trade it into things like a house right that after a long period of time right. and many many hundreds of trades it's possible to do something like this yes Stelly has attempted this but we put a stop to it because she was speaking to strangers in cars right <laughs> and we don't want our 13 year old daughter yeah. talking to strangers in cars yeah i'm gonna now just start talking about wednesday's episode yes and maybe cut that out <laughs> 
On Wednesday, Peter's bartering skills know no bounds as his pen has been swapped out for a box cheese grater. And I'm just a little bit disappointed that, that we didn't, didn't see what see happened who. to make that trade. Right. Because it's such a random thing. Carla isn't impressed as a pen can write, she says. Aha, uh-huh, says Peter. But can a pen grate cheese? <laughs> You're a fucking moron, says Carla. <laughs> And then later in Nina's rolls, Peter tries to swap the cheese grater for an electric toaster with Roy. And without asking why, Roy offers a sieve instead. Yeah. Peter refuses and the deal is dead. And that's as far as we get with that. I really yes. hope that this is a storyline that's going to run for a little bit. Because yeah. this is it's this gonna, is fun and it's interesting. That's why they're going to kill it just like the Anorak. <laughs> and it's a kind of thought experiment type thing as well about it that I really enjoy. Yeah. That's why it's not going to happen. <laughs> they kill anything fun. Oh, well, I was kind of looking forward to that. <laughs> <coughs> Maybe this is how we find the Anorak. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting, which is why it's not going to happen. <laughs> is there anything else about that? I mean, it, I guess it's just no. nice to see Peter and Carla together every now and right, again. Right, being cute. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's what we need them to do. And we need them to occasionally be together and be absolutely sickeningly adorable together. <laughs> Just oh, keep that up, please. All right. This next story I thought was going to become a, a longer story this week, but then nothing happened. So I have two lines to say about this. Okay. And this is the Lawrence situation. On New Year's Eve at the pub, Todd tries again to apologise to for the Lawrence situation to Sean and Sean reluctantly with some intervention from Glenda who has a cruise ship story would you believe mm. Sean finally accepts the apology yes and they toast with champagne flutes and then disappear for a week and Todd says to Glenda oh you were on a cruise ship you never mentioned you never mentioned it it never comes up it's so funny that somebody finally said that to her <laughs> and this is the kind of one of the cornerstones mm-hmm. of long-running comedy is that Uh you have a character who keeps on referring to the same thing over and over again kind of things over and over and over again like woody and cheers talking about hanover indiana or or sophia in golden girls saying picture it sicily 1912 and that's kind of like mary as well with our mother stories right and and her dangerous liaison stories right which are my favorite so that's the Lawrence thing. Nothing nothing more happening there. No. Moving on to Marry Me Chauncey. <laughs> on, on Monday. Gemma wants to get married. She's sick of seeing all these couples get hitched or engaged like Daniel and Daisy who've only been together for five minutes, which is what you said, and that woman that Glenda bumped into on the tram. Bernie thinks marriage is a misogynistic construct but tells Gemma that Chesney is never going to take the front foot on this. Gemma's going to need to do it herself, and then he'll jump on the board once stuff's in motion. Because but, he's tight. Yeah. So Gemma drags Chesney away from his half pint, fucking Chesney, to the bistro, which Gemma has earmarked as a potential venue. Chesney asks Gemma if she really wants to get married to him. She says she does, because <laughs> everyone else is doing it, which is the best reason to get married. Absolutely. After meeting with Leanne to discuss options, Chesney just doesn't think they can afford it right now. Just like 12 months ago when they couldn't afford Joseph a pair of decent shoes or a sweater or whatever it was. And Gemma is absolutely scunnered by this. Right, yeah. 
I, I guess we should be grateful that it has been so long since we've had a Gemma and Chesney poverty porn story. It isn't that long at all. The whole thing with um, Bernie and Bob from Blackadder was rooted in that storyline as well. That's why she was wanting the money. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks in between, though. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks. On Tuesday, I'll take it. Chesney's looking for some Billy Bear cold meat for his sandwich, and a still furious Gemma tells him that he should be eating at work if he's worried about the money. As they argue about the wedding, Chesney decides that he'd rather spend money on a bigger house or a better car rather than a piece of paper. And surprisingly, this does not calm Gemma. No. She's right, though. Why wouldn't you want to eat kebab for lunch every day? Every day? It's kebab. You'd be dead in a fortnight. (laughs) Not not necessarily. Uh Uh-huh. The argument continues at the kebab shop when Gemma discovers that Chesney wasted good wedding money on an egg sandwich from Roy. Chesney says that he can't eat a kebab every day. Dev privately tells Chesney that he spent so much time being a dad, he's forgotten how to be a man. (laughs) And this gives Chesney (laughs) food for thought somehow. He's like, you're right. I need to find a brick somewhere. Right. Get me a brick. I've got a face I need to smash it in with. So he goes home with a sauce jug that he says he's going to use as a collection uh, pot for the wedding. But Gemma's angry about something else now, as Joseph's been sent home from school for signing, and she's about to fucking kill somebody. As she should, because this, this is this is discrimination against the disabled. Yeah, this is absolutely. It's like, how did anybody get away with this? This is just. And I'm thinking, despicable. Finally, this is a Gemma story where we are 100% on board with Gemma. Have you noticed? Until we meet the teacher. Have, have, have you noticed with the quads this week, when the quads were all in the room together, uh-huh. there were three of them there, and then occasionally there'd be a shot of Alad with his um, cochlear, implant. cochlear implants, and there'd be, there'd be a shot of the other three, and then occasionally a shot of Alad, but and every shot of Alad was him by himself. Like, like he wasn't that. even in the room. Like, they shot him separately in another room. Maybe they're limited to how many Kids children they can under have a, a certain age. Yeah, maybe. Because of, yeah. Supervision or something? Or, or COVID? Maybe. More likely supervision. Or though. RSV and, and stuff. Because they've had, they've had birthday parties on the street where there are like 20 kids running around. Not recently. Not recently. But, you know... It happens, so it can't possibly just be supervision. It was very strange watching. On Wednesday at the Quad House, Bernie and Gemma are making plans for speaking with Joseph's teacher, Bernie remembering the teacher as a cow when Paul and Gemma were at school. We all know a teacher like that, right? Yes, we do. Remember? (laughs) No, let's not say anything that's going to get us sued. So they meet up with her in the corridor and plead Joseph's case, saying, look, he wasn't swearing, he was just doing sign language for offside, I think it was. Right, wasn't it? yeah. So it's not even real. It's just it's and he wasn't he wasn't and it wasn't to the teacher. She's like, he can't be swearing to teachers. It's like it wasn't even to you. 
It was to one of his friends. But the teacher, Mrs. York, doesn't give a shit, says Joseph was at it. And it's no surprise because Paul and Gemma were scumbags back in the day too. And she ignores Gemma's suggestion of starting up a BSL group at the school that she'll be happy to help out with. Right, To raise awareness and stuff. Gemma's being very reasonable here. Civically minded. Right, and explaining that he has a deaf brother. Who's going to be going to that school. Who's going to be going to this school. Sooner or later, right? Right. Fingers crossed. And what's going to happen when he comes to the school? And she readily points out, you know, you have kids speaking in other languages. This is just another language. Gemma and Bernie sit in Mrs. York's empty class discussing what to do. And Bernie decides that peaceful protest is the way to go. And so they start barricading themselves in and then discover that Michael's (laughs) sitting there, kind of surprised to see him. He's waiting to discuss Glory's admission with Mrs. York. Tough shit, says Bernie. How has he been silent this whole time? Right. It was so funny when it panned to him. It was like a Looney Tunes cartoon or something. What's he doing there? And he's just sitting there, not saying anything until they're barricaded in. Right. So Mrs. York comes back, can't get into the classroom, and from the corridor, she demands that they open the door. So Gemma starts FaceTiming it to the internet. When Michael Live learns, streaming. when he learns the, the cause of the protest, he decides to to join in. He's given his back into the endeavour. Mm-hmm. Instead Ma- of jumping out the window. Mrs. York is unimpressed and threatens to call the police. Gemma thinks getting arrested would draw more attention to the cause, and she's all for it. <laughs> Chesney is trying to have a quiet lunch at Nina's Rolls, not eating a kebab like he was told to, when Dev or an egg salad sandwich. bursts in to show him what's going on at the school. Oh, pig's tits, he says. So to them, Dev and Chesney, they hightail it to the school. Chesney explaining to Mrs York that the protest is being live-streamed to 3,000 people right now. Yes. And the headmaster could be one of them. Mrs York has had enough. She locks the door, tells Jim and Bernie that they can stay there all night. This shit is outside her pay grade, and I love that. But also, that makes her look even worse. Yeah, but who cares? She doesn't seem to care or understand. Not one shit was given. What a horrible person this is. I quite like her. She's not putting up with any of their drama. Fuck them. Fuck them all. Right. You're locked in the room. I'm, I'm not taking any of your drama, mother of a disabled child right. that I've discriminated against. Right. I don't know. It made me laugh. <laughs> and they're like, well, what if we need to go to the bathroom? So that's what happens. They're locked in the room and they can't get out and everyone else goes home. And they find some race cars. And Michael <laughs> raises his spirits when he suggests a friendly game of Skeletrix. Not as far as we get with that this week. So... And Chesney tells Gemma he's proud of her. Yes. As does Dev. Yep. Because let's remember, Dev and Bernie are a thing. Oh, of course. Right. That's why he's there. That's why he's there. Right. Not just for moral support for Chauncey. No, no. Moral support for his lady friend. Right. Yeah. I, you know, as an awful lot of this is going on, there was some far more serious stuff going on yeah. alongside it, which was a strange juxtaposition right. at, at times but it's like oh we're getting more of the classroom thing but the fact that they've been locked in I think is kind of up to stakes a little bit and also this is important yes you know it's not just a funny story this is this is something you know that disabled people do come up against even now 
there's there's a lot of issues with the disabled community about people treating them differently or unfairly and illegally but it's it's on the disabled people to to fight against it and and get their rights even though the other person is being illegal because this is very illegal what this teacher is doing mrs york losing her job over this do you think probably good any mitigating circumstances for her with uh, Gemma and bernie barricading themselves into her classroom no probably not it's it's kind of false imprisonment, no matter how you look at it, isn't right. it? Right. It's false imprisonment. <laughs> of three people. Of three people. And also, she discriminated against a disabled person. Mm-hmm. You know, and saying you can't sign like... I, I don't understand how Joseph was punished when he went... Because wouldn't he have had to have gone to, like, the headmaster's office? No, they sent him home. So the teacher can just send him home without... Any authorization by the principal or anything? It's just on the teacher? I don't know. It's been some time since I've been a, a schoolboy in England. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I've never been a schoolboy in England. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sort of sense, you know, that a teacher would be allowed to just do that without uh, paperwork day, and authority. In my day, you'd be sent to the headmaster's right. office. You'd get the belt and then you'd get sent back again. Right. Or, well, I mean, I wouldn't get the belt, but you'd be sent to the headmaster, to the principal's office in high school it was the headmaster but you would get sent to the head authority paperwork would have to be signed your parents would have to come into the school because it seems like joseph was just sent home without a without a parent being called initially because you'd think if a parent was called the parent could say he's got a deaf brother you can't discriminate against us what he's doing is not against the rules Go fuck yourself. I think an awful lot of this is historic based on Gemma and Paul's experience. And that used to happen a lot at school. If your oh, big yeah. brother or your big sister was a bit of a wrong one, mm-hmm. then it didn't matter how good you were. Some teachers would treat you like shit anyway. Yep. Oh, well. Oh, well. No, this was a good storyline. Like you said, it had some real world uh, heft to it and mm-hmm. importance to it, but it was also yeah. kind of lighthearted as well. And the little Skeletrix thing at the end, yes, and really the whole great. lot of Michael's involvement was, right. was, was Michael pretty just funny. being there. Right. Poor Michael. All right, our penultimate storyline tonight is Enter the Daemon. On Wednesday, Damon meets. Oh, up I forgot about all of this. With Jacob on the street, and this is so dumb. Immediately tells him he should quit one of his jobs. And reckons he should quit the knicker factory as he needs a man on the inside of his bistro and he'll earn more money there anyway. After a fashion, Lies. Jacob promises to think about it, leaving Damon to immediately jump on the phone to a mysterious third party to say that he's working on it and is going to give him to the end of the day. So Jacob goes to Carla and hands in his notice and Carla is devastated. And when Jacob tells her it's because he wants to work with his dad, she tells him that she wouldn't trust Damon as far as she could fling him and tells him that he's burning his bridges with her now. After all that she did, she was the one who believed in him and gave him a chance. Right. And this is how he's choosing to repair. And like we said last week, he's her star performer as well. At the bistro, Jacob tells Damon the good news and Damon immediately demands Nick takes Jacob on full time and doubles his pay and threatens to grass him up to Leanne if he doesn't. So Nick has to agree. Right, yeah, but Leanne's going to see how much they're paying. Yeah. 
With Jacob working, it's almost like Nick shouldn't have accepted Harvey's money, isn't it? It's almost, it's almost like, like, that. like that. It's almost like that. Or should have been honest with Leanne that he took Harvey's money. <coughs> right. With Jacob working behind the bar, Damon tells him to keep a lookout for a package later and to keep it secret. Jacob is worried that it's bleh. Jacob is worried that it's drugs. <laughs> As if it's drugs, says Damon. But Jacob now looks like he's regretting his decision already. And that's as far as we get with that. It's totally drugs. Of course it is. And also, remember remember when Damon first showed up on the street and and he was like, I don't want anything to do with you. You're a bad dad. Yeah. Leave me alone. And we were quite happy actually with, with Damon because he seemed to be a little bit different from Harvey and right. and all those and he's just turned out to be the same. Yeah. So that's a bit of a disappointment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why all of a sudden is he like yesing his dad like this? What, well, as he says to Carla that he's basically given him another shot, another chance at right. a relationship. Yeah, thanks to Amy. Fucking Amy. <laughs> Keep your nose out of people's lives, Amy. God damn it. God damn it, Amy. Deal with your own parental problems. Seriously. Your mother's killed someone. And will kill again. Yes. Uh, yeah, I just... It feels like the same shit, different day. It doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to take a <laughs> pragmatic approach to this, thinking mm -hmm. that Jacob turning face, as he has done, mm -hmm. had to have some kind of temptation or some kind of a draw from his previous life mm -hmm. into his current life mm -hmm. that he had to overcome. It had to happen at some point. But the fact that it's happened so easily and so quickly. So I'm just hoping that I'm we can... I'm just so bummed up because I love that kid. Oh, so do I. And that's why I want this to be dealt with quickly and we can get over it. And Jacob can just go back to being a kind of happy-go-lucky, kind of cheeky chappy. Right. For the next little and while. And adorable with Amy. Right. Yes. <laughs> Our final storyline tonight is Mad Max Racist Road. On Monday... Lily is in Nina's roles watching Max's racist videos. Homeless Stu and Eliza are also there and Eliza goes over to make friends with Lily and asks her what she's watching. So Lily is only too happy to share. And back home, Eliza is giggling at Max's racist videos now and when Homeless Stu sees what she's watching, it's a video where CGI cockroaches are pouring out of Max's mouth. And hair and clothes. Homeless Stu is secretly furious, which Eliza thinks... This is hilarious. Right, yeah. I'm worried about Eliza here. Well, you know, little kids, a guy screaming because he's got bugs all over him. She's not getting the in, the hidden message there because she's just a little kid. I'd have been appalled by that at her age. I would have been grossed out. I would have had nightmares about that. Meanwhile, at number eight, David has some incredible news for Lily. It's almost like you can't believe this news that's so incredible. James has seen a video of her playing football and now a women's team in that London want to give her a trial for a six-week for a six week London, London for a six-week course, which starts in two days. What? Then Homeless Stew arrives to piss on everyone's chips by telling David and Shona that Lily's racist now. <laughs> Later, David and Shona debate what to do about racist Lily. Shona's blaming herself for letting Lily loose on her tablet with her earbuds and no supervision. And so she explains to Lily that the videos are nasty for hating people who don't deserve any hatred. And even though she thinks it's funny, it proves that Max is sick in the head. 
Lily is more interested in whether she gets to go on her football thing, so Shona decides to take her to that London for six weeks, leaving David to deal with Max while she's away. And having that secret baby. Yes, Shona can see about having that secret baby that she's been carrying now. <laughs> Belter, says Lily. I thought Shona was very... It's, Shona is also parent of the week. Parent of the week. Because this this whole thing with Lily, how she kind of explains it, and she explains about, and, and she likens it to something that has happened to Lily in her own life, where she says, you know, how some people don't think that girls should play football. And people, you know, and, and guys will say you shouldn't be playing football and stuff. And Lily says, yeah, I hate that. I hate those guys. And she says, yeah, there are girls in other countries that want to play football and they can't because it's illegal for girls to play football or for girls to be out and girls to go to school and so they they have they come to this country they go to other countries so that they can be safe to play football and that makes sense to lily Mm -hmm. she she breaks it down in a way that it makes sense to lily and lily understands and she was brilliant with it and she was patient with lily and it was so great. And David's just like sitting there in the corner listening to all of this and thinks Shona's so great for all of this, does not absorb the lesson that Shona is giving him, it's almost, as we will see later. It's almost like if Shona had had this talk with Max a few weeks ago, we could have been saved an awful lot of bother. Yeah, Max wouldn't have listened, though, because... Max has never been in a situation where somebody says you can't do that because you're a boy. I don't know, but do you think, I think Shona just knew a way to get through to Lily. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that maybe Shona would have had a way to get through to Max as well. This calm approach, mm-hmm. with ra- rather than shouting thou shalt not, mm-hmm. yeah. is probably preferable. Absolutely. On Tuesday it's Spider's birthday and Toya's got him a spider. If only his name was Crash Helmet. <laughs> He gets a call from Griff and delays him saying that he's at the dentist but unknown to Spider, Griff is actually standing outside the flat. He tells Spider that they have a big day ahead of them. Meanwhile, Maria, Gary, Alia, Darian, Peter and Liam are meeting at the Christmas market talking about rebranding the market as a peace market. Griff and Max pass by to mock the event and Gary's pleased that Maria's efforts seem to be antagonising the racists. On the phone to P-Gate Len later about the plans, Griff refuses to tell Spider who he was talking to, and then Spider notices that there's a big box in the living room that Griff warns him not to touch, saying it's a present for Maria. That's not obvious at all. No. This big ticking box that's on the on It's the a table present here. for the person I hate. Everyone is aware of the plan except for Spider. So when they're all due to leave, Spider says it needs a quick shite. And he uses this time to phone his handler. It's on, motherfuckers, he tells him. Weatherfield Town Hall. So when Griff comes back to check on him, Spider suggests that Max stays behind to hold the fort. And Griff thinks this is a great idea and tells Spider to stay back too. And then, in a comedy stage whisper, Griff tells Max to keep an eye on Spider and let me know if Spider even touches his phone. With the racist gone, Spider is totally shitting himself and tells Max that he needs to go take care of something. And so he hightails it back to Toya to tell her that it's all going down today and Griff's about to get nicked. Toya is thrilled as this means that they can be a proper couple again once this is all done. But Spider says that he'll need to lie low after the trial or until the trial Mm -hmm. and he's still going to be a copper. 
which I think Toya's a little bit surprised at. Right. Yeah. What? You're not going to give up your job? For me? Why, why would he give up his job, Toya? Why did you expect him to give up his profession? Mm-hmm. Something he's been trained in. Yeah. While we're talking about jobs, Toya, what are you doing? <laughs> Meanwhile, at the town hall, armed police pounce on Griff's car, search the boot, looking for a bomb, but all they find is a box of biscuits that racist Reese says that they're taking to the food bank. Also, there's no sign of Griff. And that's because Griff's back on the street following a tip from Max, waiting at Toya's flat, knowing that Spider is in there. In the flat, like we said, Toya seemed to be under the impression that Spider was going to give up being a shitty undercover cop. And as they argue about this, he gets an urgent text from Max. So he heads to the alleyway of doom, and instead of meeting Max, he meets Griff, who has worked out that the obvious undercover copper is an undercover copper. Right. And, And he's like... I figured it out. I figured out that you weren't at the dentist earlier because an ambulance went by. As a reversing van, they heard it beep. Right. And I heard it. It was it was beeping on the street and it was beeping on the phone. I could hear it there. Didn't Spider hear that too? Yes. And didn't think it was suspicious? Also, it's a bit of a leap. Just because he's saying that he's at the dentist, it's kind of, I just don't want to talk to you right now. Right. It doesn't mean... I'm an undercover cover. Right, yeah. And he says, look, we just, we decided to get back together, but I didn't want to let anybody know. Yeah, that was the most convincing Spider's been in any of this. Right. <laughs> so Spider makes a run for it, but he bumps into racist Dave on the other side of the uh, alleyway. Oh, is that that guy's name? Yes. I can never remember. As Griff gives Spider a boop on the head with a crowbar. And, and for Sp- some reason, Spider's head goes that way. <laughs> and Spider goes down like a sack of tatties. This is our fourth head wound of the week. Head wound of the week. <laughs> Boring head wound of the week. <laughs> that would be Nina's. Was, was that the boring one? The spiders, the spiders was necklace of the week as well, but it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, good that we that's funny. <laughs> so anyway, they're about to finish them off. But not like that. Thank you. When Peter comes along and chases the racists away and then calls an ambulance. Right. Does it, it chases them away instead of holding them there which peter could do because peter's peter's strong for a guy with one kidney or one liver or half a liver any advances do i hear quarter of a liver <laughs> liver after week we're going to hell poor ruby back at racism hq griff bounds and telling everyone it's time to split to splitsville because i guess the cops who were looking for griff earlier never thought to check his house <laughs> racist kelly is sent home where the racists all sigh at the thought of more fucking camping because because they're not just racist they're misogynists and girls can't go camping with the rest of the terrorists exactly Oh my god. So at the hospital <laughs> Toya arrives to see Peter and explain about Spider being undercover, which no one can believe. <coughs> yeah, all of a sudden 
Toya thinks it's okay to tell everybody on the street <laughs> that Spider's an undercover cop. He's so the, he can never be an undercover cop again. He's in the special undercover cop ward at Weatherfield General Hospital. <laughs> Toya is eventually met by a surgeon who explains that Spider is in pretty bad shape from being twatted on the head and is currently in brain surgery. <laughs> Meanwhile, the races have all reconvened in the park. Max can't sleep and is worried about the arrival of a stolen speed dial van and Dave loading it with boxes. Griff says, tomorrow, they'll all be heroes. And Griff says that his plan <coughs> is to just walk into the police station. Right, and be hailed a hero by the police for bombing bombing a restaurant? <laughs> That's... Well... I, again! You know what again, they say about coppers. Again! Well... <laughs> which one... <laughs> Which one of the things just you one about bad apple? But um, it's like this. Th- one of one of my main problems with this story, which has been a problem with the story from day one for me, is that Griff's ideology is confusing. Yeah, and what he's trying to do is confusing. It's like. He thinks if he if he bombs this place and kills some brown people, that the rest of the white people who've been telling him he's bad and racist will suddenly realize he's not bad and racist for killing brown people? What's going on in his head? Griff's motivation here is very much the KFC drive through of <laughs> motivations, isn't it? That's a callback. It's a callback. I'm done with whatever that was, by the way. So if I'm dead tomorrow, you'll know it. why. I can still taste it. Yes. On Wednesday, early morning, and Reese returns the speed dial van to outside the restaurant and narrowly avoids Alia and Maria, who are out prepping for the market and more bothered about gossiping about spider women. Right, because somehow they also know that Spider is an undercover cop now. Well, Toya's taken out an advert in the <laughs> Weather Gazette. She's she's standing on the street going, Oye, oye, oye. There's a picture of Spider with necklaces. She's wearing one of those beef eater con- she's wearing one of those beef eater costumes that Ah, oh, Town Crier. Right, but they're dressed like beef eaters. No, they're not. The one for the for the crown is or not the crown, but the the royal family, the one that announces that babies have been born and stuff. They've got like the big poofy black hat and the collar and the red jacket. They're not beef eaters. That's what I think a beef eater is, because that's the guy on the bottle of beef eaters. What even is a beef eater? We'll talk. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the hospital, Spider is still unconscious and being prepped for more brain surgery. Leanne is there to comfort Toya, poor Toya, who doesn't want to lose him now that she's just got him back. At the racist camp, Max gets up late and is curious to notice the speed dial van that was there last night has gone. For those following... A crowbar will do more damage to a human being than a van. Right. At high speed. So, yeah, Max is curious about the van that's no was there last night and it's gone. It's sorted, says Reese. It was smashed to bits and it's sitting at the bottom of the canal now. Maybe that was what uh, Nina bumped her head on. <laughs> <laughs> it's six inches of water. They're getting ready for the protest, but Griff tells Max to sit this one out. It could get pretty tasty today. So back at Racism HQ, Max is packing his stuff when Racist Kelly comes in. He explains that the gang might have killed Spider last night and Spider was a copper. 
racist Kelly finds this hard to believe. She obviously hasn't read the paper. So Max has to explain what really happened on the camping trip about how the car exploded and stuff and something big is being planned for today. Back in the street, the preparations are underway at the the market with a big turnout expected. After Spider's attack, homeless Stu is worried about their safety, but Yasmin reckons it'll all be fine. She's pretty drunk. Round the corner, Reese calls racist Kelly and she is horrified to learn No. Round the corner, Reese calls racist Kelly and he's horrified to learn that she's at the market and tells her to get as far away as possible. So she and Max split up, him telling her to phone the police. I was quite surprised that she she isn't racist. She doesn't know what any of these Well, she's afraid of brown people. She is afraid of brown people. Thanks to her dad. Right. But she's not really part of the gang she's not a terrorist no she doesn't want to kill people but she still is racist yes yeah she's still racist kelly right she's not maybe as racist no she's still pretty racist pretty racist yeah she thinks all brown people are going to kill her or or rape her or rape her yes that's pretty racist quite racist then yes with the peace market officially opened by Maria, a frantic Max arrives warning deaf ears that they need to get the fuck away from the market. He explains about the van being stolen and supposedly dumped in the canal, but yet there it is. He's sure that the racist gang have done something to the van. Yasmin just wants to ignore him, but Alia investigates and finds a large black ball with a hissing fuse under the steering wheel. <laughs> Holy shit, she says, it's a bomb. Deciding that there are too many people at the market and they'd only panic, Alia opts to drive the van away, much to Yasmin's protests. Well, she says, all right, you guys, yeah, Yasmin protests. So Alia says, okay, you two go and clear everybody out. So they leave her alone with the van and then are surprised when she drives away. Like Sandra Bullock. (laughs) In speed. Unfortunately, without Keanu Reeves. Speed, which in France should have been called Vitesse, but instead was called Speed. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie Azard, for that joke. Yes. Around the corner, Reese and all the racists jump into a Peugeot 105 and hightail it away. How many racists can you fit in a Peugeot 105? Five. Or three. You probably could fit five. They're racist, and yet they're in a French car. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. Because a British car would be... Shit. Anyway, <laughs> Mary and Gary are shocked to learn about the bomb and Max is worried that there may be more. Homeless Stew, Max and Gary are about to tell people to calmly leave. Everyone stay calm, but the market is about to blow up. When Yasmin decides that now is the time to tell Max that this is all his fault. Right. He says that he never planted no bomb, so Gary points out that he was in the gang that did. So right. there, yeah. Nina, Nina. And also lied about the other bomb right. that blew him up. Alia seems to be driving around busy roads deliberately here and the red wreck. So on the phone to Yasmin, Yasmin suggests going to the canal, checking the timer. Alia reckons that she can make it. Meanwhile, Max goes to number eight to tell David, who only seems bothered that Max didn't plant the bomb and it was the terrorists that done it. My dad's not a terrorist, says racist Kelly. Yeah, well, he planted a fucking bomb, so I guess he is, says David. Right, yes. He tells them both to keep their heads down and pray. So Alia makes it to the waste ground when the van explodes with her in it and the fireball is seen for miles around. (laughs) Holy fucking shit, says Jasmine, who's so drunk. (laughs) Stop. 
But next we see that Alia must be like Bruce Willis and Unbreakable. And also or Max, Max with the other Bob. Street. <laughs> and just lying unconscious at the side of the burning van that's still full of petrol. So I guess... I guess what happened here, because she did have the door open. She was about ready to get out when it exploded. Mm. So maybe the explosion blew her out of the car, of the van. (sighs) And so she, and she obviously has a head wound. She's bleeding from the head. So she's been blown out and she's hit her head on the pavement. So this is head wound number four for Coronation Street in the past seven-ish days. Meanwhile, PC Tinker has begun his investigations and very quickly manages to return Alia to Yasmin's, saying that he found her wandering around Balaclava Street and she's refused to go to the hospital because Spider is in one bed and the sheets are still warm in another bed from St. Leo's dad. She's been blown out of a van, <laughs> she has a head wound and she's walking around the streets. And... It doesn't matter that she's she's refusing. Craig, she was just blown out of a van. Take her to the fucking hospital. She seems like she's just woken up or is trying to do maths in her head. And somehow she's she's in a tracksuit now. Back up from the hospital. Spider wakes up. Toya declares her love and says that she'll stick by him no matter what, even if he stays a shitty undercover cop. But there's a couple of things I need to tell you about that. She fills him in and then tells like him that. and then tells him what happened, how Alia saved the day and how Griff is on the run. Spider insists that Max wasn't one of the racists. He is one of the racists. He's definitely one of the racists. And also, here's Spider, who's had two surgeries now, <laughs> two surgeries on his head for a brain bleed, still has all his hair, and is speaking in coherent sentences. Well, he thinks that Max wasn't one of the racists, so well, he's ob- obviously I, not. There's something, okay. Right. I suppose that makes it all better. Back at number eight, David wants to send Max to London with Shona. What? Until this blows over. But Max wants to tell the truth, so when PC Tinker comes to speak to him, against David's wishes, he's taken away to the station while Yasmin and Alia look on, and that's how we end this week's episodes. David! Shitty parent of the week! Right. What the hell, man? After after almost turning his kid in himself a few weeks ago, well, I tried to, yeah, yeah, yeah. David, do you remember you were you were going to turn this kid in for shit like this, and now you want him to go on the lamb and run away to London, mm-hmm. London after he's after he's been involved in a bomb plot, mm-hmm. and Max explains to him, no. I knew that they were building a bomb because we he, because it wasn't a because camp stove. Because they nearly stove. blew me up last week. They nearly blew me up last week. Oh, so I guess that's five five head wounds. Because Max had to have gotten a head wound when he was blown out of a car. No, it was just his arms. <laughs> it was just his arms. His it was his arms, arms that got, knocked him unconscious. His, yeah, he was knocked unconscious and he only got some burns on his arms, which are gone now. Yeah. No scarring. No, his arms are still there. Yeah, but the bandages are gone. I know, I know. And there's no scarring. So this is five people, four of whom are already walking around and speaking in coherent sentences, who've had head wounds in the past week. Yeah. Five people. Toya is right, though, when she says to Spider, he was doing all the social media stuff. Of course he was involved in it. Yeah, 
and he and of course he was racist for making these videos mm-hmm. you know it's it's not i've got to question whoever's making their bombs though <laughs> because that's twice that they've gone off with people in let's let's Very give them some of, some of the benefit they do and say that in close proximity to that explosion and been essentially fine yeah let's remember these are two people who've been in vehicles that have been blown up and walked away and been fine mm-hmm. now let's remember how imran died <laughs> <laughs> wearing his seatbelt with an airbag in a head-on collision <laughs> where he was able to get his wife out of the car first before conveniently dying right. at the foot of an ambulance after walking around and speaking coherently. Yeah, collapsing with a team of paramedics round about him. <laughs> if Alia could walk Alia managed to walk away from it on her own. Right. At least at least Max needed to be taken to the hospital. And somehow got the jam off of her face. <laughs> what is going on here? When you saw If you're the- gonna commit to something, if you're going to say oh it's it's horrific what's gonna happen next week you know so and so is in peril actually fucking put them in peril give us a cliffhanger where we don't know if they're going to live or die between today and monday you could have had spider and alia on cliffhangers oh my god what's going to happen i can't wait to watch on monday and see whether or not they live. This is all done for the the anticipation of the commercial break, where at the start of the break you've seen the explosion, mm-hmm. and at the when we come back from commercial break you see Alia lying on the on mm-hmm. the ground. So it's it's for the tension that that creates for those three minutes when right. the show's not on. What should have happened is give us a whole weekend of tension. Is, no, what should have happened is one of two things. The first thing that could have happened is, let's see Alia get out of the van properly and mm-hmm. run away. And the right. explosion goes off and it and throws her goes, to the ground. Right? And falls. And she, there, there could still be peril there. But right. at least we've seen her get out right. of the van. This is kind of cheating. If you've, se- if you've seen the movie Misery, mm-hmm. the whole reason why Kathy Bates goes all Kathy Bates mm-hmm. is because of cheating. And this is cheating. Mm-hmm. Because as far as we're concerned as the viewer... Alia, just like Max, got blown was up. in that car when it blew up yeah. and should be dead. Yes. So they're cheating by having her outside least of be it. Lo- at least have lost body parts. So f- the first thing that could have happened is that Alia is running out, running away from the van. The explosion mm-hmm. goes off. She gets thrown to the ground. There's still, her, her life is still in, in danger. Yes. The second thing they could have done is kill Alia. Yeah. And that's a, a huge thing to do for a popular character mm-hmm. a character that i like and i have no desire to see go out of the right. show but if you've got any balls kill her off right because now suddenly we've upped the ante or kill somebody off right that's five people who could have died and not one of them dies not one of them has any permanent damage done to them at least shona has permanent brain damage from being shot in the stomach mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and yes that's kind of winged a little bit but it happened one of these and i guess okay teddy lost his memory but we know that's going to eventually come back right next week probably it's, it's, yeah. it's going to come back 
we have nothing, no tension that's going to have the internet talking all weekend long. Oh my God, what happened to Alia? What's going to happen? I can't wait to watch Monday. Do you think she's alive or dead? Click yes or no. Twitter polls, Facebook polls. They could have had, they could have broken the internet. Well, they could have broken Corey Twitter. Right. Yeah. And instead, everybody's fine by the end of the week. Max has gone off to get questioned and right. presumably is going to be persona non grata when he comes back. Mm-hmm. But imagine how worse that would be if Alia had was died. Dead. And if Alia had died. Right. I suppose they don't want to kill off another brown person this quickly after Imran. Probably not. But this is the... And, and then Rana before him. And, and plus, who doesn't like Alia? Right. But... They did this with Seb. Seb right. dying was, was a real shock to me. I wasn't yeah. expecting that at all. And it's the same kind of deal. It's like mm-hmm. you've got a... a, a, a long I'm reluctant to call it the hate crime thing, but you've, mm-hmm. got, the, you've got that attack mm-hmm. that has huge ramifications because yes. a character has died. Right. If Seb hadn't died and did both him and Nina had pulled through mm-hmm. that story isn't anywhere near as impactful as it was no, th- and nobody's is, winning awards for that and this is going to be the same thing you, you had the chance to do something brave by mm-hmm. killing off a reasonably popular character right. and think of the ramifications think of the ramifications with Seb dying it put Abby in a tailspin mm-hmm. it had the the young people gang kind of split up into factions mm-hmm. it gave Kelly, foster parents, you know, and a new life and a new family. It helped introduce home introduce homeless stew. You know, it it did an awful lot. It gave Abby a baby, right? And it, it eventually killed Imran. Right. All going back to Seb's yeah. death. Think think about what could have happened if you had done the brave thing and killed somebody off. It doesn't have to be Alia. It, it could be any one of these five characters. You know, you, you can't you can't just solve something like this in a week. That that's that's it's cheating mm-hmm. and it's cheap and it's not it's not going to win awards and it's not going to win you any new viewers. I don't and really it's care about make it you lose winning awards or not, but it, it needs to but be. It's just some you know. I just want it to be a compelling. Story and, mm-hmm. I, and I think they've been doing the racist story Fairly quite well, well because yeah. racists are complaining about it. Yes, and that's the best thing that comes out of it. Right, it's, that it's touching a nerve with people mm-hmm. who aren't, who don't who think they're racist, who, who should be sort of looking in the mirror a little bit more and wondering why they're so angry about it. Mm-hmm. But it's doing it's doing some good work here that hasn't been done historically with this kind of storyline mm-hmm. as as long as we've been doing this podcast it's always been we've solved racism this week right and then we've solved solved homophobia the week after that we we solved this homelessness is, this is one that has been going on for a, a decent period of time has, and it's been building up and building up and if anything i feel it's maybe been done a little too quickly but anyway has been done gradually and more gradually before but this ending to it right kind of undoes some of that work. Right, yeah. It's like we felt like the show had been listening to people, people like Dr. Sharon Sherman and people like us and and Mersey Tart also. 
has has said things like in in order to do a story like this you ha- it can't be some villain who shows up briefly is racist and then goes away again yeah we've complained about you've, that so often you've you've got to invest people on the street into it you've got to make one of these people racist i still think they must have tricked by not making craig the racist right well they briefly made craig the racist and but it was then really he, his colleague who, well, would, who we'd never seen before and we'd never see again right but he was socially racist right because he defended the white colleague over his black friend and that's like some of the shittiest racism there is is, st- is stuff like that like trying to explain away the actions of a racist you know and which is being done again by spider of all people right you know, and and david to an extent saying well you're not the one who planted the bomb well david he's the one who created all these social media posts to get interest in the bomb right only it's wasn't even really that i mean what really did the social media do nothing really nothing really because they didn't get new members of their gang <laughs> i don't know if they had any because remember when griff was talking about wanting to recruit more young people mm-hmm. that never happened no and it turned out not to be a nonce after all that would have well not yet not yet but i don't think he is but then again i think that esther and mike are human traffickers and you don't so it all evens out in the wash this is how you have a happy marriage but it's just with human traffickers and nonces <laughs> agreeing to disagree oh i see and being fine with it. Uh, it, it yeah so they built up all this good faith and then they just kind of scuppered it by you know solving it very neatly and everybody being alive and 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 there being no oh my god are they going to make it to monday sort of thing you know it's just so infuriating yeah i feel like an an opportunity missed to to carry this this bold story to finish it in a bold manner right it feels like as far as we know from what we've seen it feels like they've missed a trick absolutely kind of chickened out of it a little bit yeah yeah alia should be in the hospital at least and she's not even max got sent to the hospital and that wasn't nearly as powerful. He wasn't sitting. He wasn't practically sitting on the bomb. All he was practically sitting on the bomb. It was right under the steering wheel. <laughs> oh well, that was the week that was Coronation Street. Tell me, Helen, what was your headwind of the week? I mean, moment <laughs> moment of the week. Uh, Shona. Shona and Lily. Shona and Lily. Or is it Billy with? Uh, no, it's Shona some, and Lily. Is it? Yeah, I haven't forgiven Billy yet. <laughs> that was pretty good as well. It was very good. That is our well, and we've never given it to Lily. I don't think so. No, not even when she was choking on that lolly. <laughs> if ever something deserved moment of the week, it was or, that. Or pointing out how unfair it was that she doesn't get to go see the Northern Lights with Sam. Shona talking to Lily about racism is our moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Is it Nina falling into the river? No, the that stream? wasn't boring. It was, it was not what we were promised. How's that? Well, I wasn't promised anything because I didn't know about it. Well, you forced me to do Corey News, so unfortunately... I'm just trying to get you involved, Helen. <laughs> That's all it is. Jeez, uh, Daniel wasn't in it this week. No. Neither was Ken. No, now that, now that Daniel's cancer scare's over... 
and Chesney was actually not boring this week. That's why I'm calling him Chesney again. <laughs> You've just forgot to call him Chauncey. That's what that is. No, because he said Chauncey, so it reminded me before we even started talking about that story. <sighs> is it... There was a scene... It was either... It, it, there was a scene in the Rovers where somebody walks in and says, oh, there's an awful lot of sirens going on outside. I wonder what that's all about. That's my boring moment of the week. I can't be bothered thinking about another one, so that'll do. That's a <laughs> boring moment of the week. <laughs> What's all the ambulances for? <laughs> well, I think that about wraps up for another week, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. What was your head wound of the week? Oh, my favourite head wound was... I think it was Spider. Was it Nina? No. No, Spiders was funnier. Spiders was definitely and, and funnier. And created a million memes with the Wel- Wilhelm scream and and the boing. And I think the, the Wilhelm scream goes quite nicely with it. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever been blown up by racism, write in to tell us about it. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Mastodon. You can shout me and hell on the coffee by heading to kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Thank you. And we will be back next week with more. I'll talk of the street. The talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.